It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. On another day that is going to be hot, hot, hot. And as I mentioned to Ken before 10 when I was teeing up the uh, programme if anybody asked you how you're feeling today the word of the day it's not just the word of the day I think it's the word of the week we're all feeling a little bit forewallowed it's an old but very relevant word forewallowed it's uh, weary from tossing and turning all night so how many of you are forewallowed did you toss and turn a lot last night because certainly last night I found maybe it was just me but I think last night was definitely the hottest and the stickiest and the most humid of all of the nights that we have had all week and yesterday was the uh, was definitely the hottest day of the year so far but I think every day this week we've been looking at yeah that was the hottest day yeah and it broke the record from the day before so yesterday now officially the hottest day of uh, the year but met Aaron now reckon yesterday we have reached the peak of the heat wave and the highest recorded temperature for yesterday was in a place called Mount Dillon. Where's Mount Dillon? I hear you cry. It's in County Roscommon. 30.8 was what they recorded uh, there. But it's still shy of the hottest day of the year in recent times. And that was recorded back in 2006 when temperatures reached 32.2. Met Aaron says, says for this spell of hot, wor- hot weather, it appears we peaked yesterday and it's gradually going to become more unsettled from Friday onwards. And that doesn't mean that it's going to take a major turn for, for, the, wor- for the worst. The highest uh, temperature of the year on the island of Ireland uh, was recorded yesterday and that was the UK Met Office telling us 31.3 in Castle Derg in County uh, Tyrone. Now this status yellow high temperature warning that still remains in place for the entire country. There's a status orange for some counties more up north but certainly for the rest of the country we still have this yellow. This is the high temperature warning and it remains in place uh, and that's when daytime temperatures exceed 27, go between 27 and 30 uh, degrees. So that remains in place until 9am tomorrow morning, Friday morning. So it means tonight they're expecting the temperatures to be somewhere between 17 and uh, 20 degrees. Met Aaron says uh, the weekend will not be as hot as the past couple of days, but it's still going to be very warm. We're expecting temperatures to be in the low to mid 20s. So I'll take that. And I think people who haven't been able to cope 
cope with this extreme weather. We'll certainly be glad to hear that it's going to drop to the low to mid-20s. A particular feature of this heatwave, though, has been those high nighttime temperatures. I met Aaron saying that they will continue for the next few days. So taking a look at the outlook over the next couple of days, Tomorrow, uh, going to be another warm day, 25 to 29 degrees uh, Celsius, slightly lower if you're by the coast. Saturday then starting to get a little bit cooler again, though, 21 to 25 degrees. Sunday, we'll see a mix of cloud, but again, the sunny spells with 22 to 25 uh, degrees. So it's, it goes down. It won't be as sweltering. And, uh, but uh, still in the low to mid-20s, that certainly is nice, nice uh, weather for us. So hopefully each and every one of you are enjoying it. John Paul's taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103 and our text and WhatsApp services are also available to you. If there's anything you want to share with us, 0862-103-103. And I don't know if you were one of those people that ended up on hold for an excessive period of time listening to what appeared to be some jazz music when when I tried to get onto the phone line of the this is for the digital COVID cert and the the helpline uh, yesterday with a, a voice telling me please hold your call is important uh, to us four hours later when you're still hearing your call is important to us and you're still listening to the music that does get a tad frustra- frustrating and the government now left struggling I have to say yesterday to defend the EU travel cert helpline 93 percent of calls went unanswered 93 percent and then a kind of a blame game started uh, yesterday with the EU getting blamed at one stage it was the public were getting blamed for clogging up the helpline the Thornish the of Radker uh, th- now he's come out saying look give a little bit of slack please here to uh, to the workers of the helpline and Micheál Martin did admit though yesterday that the call centre was simply overwhelmed the remarks came as the government continued to try to defend the handling of the helpline which has seen passengers waiting for hours to speak to an agent and I have to say the passengers who are due to travel in the coming days and weeks are the ones that I feel most, most uh, sorry for. Uh, Micheál Martin said that some of the calls were necessary, but some of the calls were not necessary just yet. So he went out, went on yesterday to appeal to people. For example, people say who are not due to travel overseas until September that you don't need to be calling the call centre at the moment. Leo Varadkar said that the staff were dealing with the, with these queries for the first time because I mean, this is a new call centre, this is a new digital COVID certificate so it's, all the queries are new uh, to them and because of that uh, it, it's taking longer to deal with each of the queries and he says I think people need to cut a bit of slack to the workers and give them a little bit more time to get used to doing what they're doing. He said people should only be ringing the helpline if they need to travel and do not have certs and not to be asking questions about indoor dining and seemingly for the for the people, the, only the 7% of people who did get through, not all of them were queries that they were even able to deal with at the helpline and that just adds to the frustration of the people who had a genuine query that could have been dealt with and of course you don't you don't get through to somebody because somebody else with a query has got nothing at all uh, to do with to do with the helpline for example we had a gentleman contacted us who was two and a half hours waiting um 
the helpline on hold waiting to get through and when we asked him what was he on hold for? He said, oh, I want them to put my digital COVID certificate onto my phone. Now, A, that's not something that the people at the helpline are actually able to do. To put it onto your phone, you need to do that yourself. You need to do that through the COVID tracker app. So that's just an example of one person that we heard about that was on the helpline and really shouldn't have been on the helpline uh, at all. So just 7% of calls were handled over Monday and uh, Tuesday. 40,000 calls came in over the two days with 34,000 of them on Tuesday alone. Tuesday, of course, was when they put in the second helpline number. Just under 3,000 calls were resolved on Tuesday and a little over a thousand queries were handled on Monday. In recent days some passengers were waiting five, even six hours to speak to an operator and I suppose look if you're travelling, you're planning on travelling in the next week and you have your flights and your package holiday and everything booked and ready to go, you know you have to have that digital COVID certificate so you will stay on the phone line for five or six hours and I'm sure there's a lot of things you could be doing in that five or six hours. Now the the Oireachtas Health Committee, they were meeting yesterday and the Assistant General Secretary of the Department of the Taoiseach, Liz Canavan, she was addressing that Oireachtas Committee yesterday and she said that the government officials did not anticipate such a high demand. And when I heard that, I was kind of saying, oh, hang on a minute, Liz, you know, we've all been talking about this digital COVID certificate. It got rolled out in the EU on the 1st of July. We weren't rolling it out until the 19th of uh, July. We knew that all of the people who had recovered from COVID-19 would have to contact this helpline. So I don't know if I can accept that as an argument that you didn't anticipate that so many people were going to call. She said, um, now, she did fair enough she did say that many people were contacting the call centre who are not due to travel in the short term and maybe they should be uh, holding off but maybe that message wasn't put across properly to people we just heard that this helpline was open and if you had recovered from COVID the only way that you could get your digital COVID certificate was to contact this helpline so maybe they needed to explain that a little bit more uh, to to people she said those non-urgent calls are adding very significant wait times to all of the calls and then she says that's preventing the really genuine urgent calls from getting through. She says, at the moment we are again urging people to only call the contact centre if you were due to travel. She says in the next 10 days. Okay, so if your travel plans are anything beyond the next 10 days, then hold off. Liz Canavan told TDs and Senators that the demand for the call centre is way beyond what they would have anticipated and that officials were operating on a very tight schedule in trying to roll out the EU digital COVID cert. Passengers who are recovered from the virus were told they have to contact the helpline in order to seek a travel cert. Liz Canavan said a new online form to request travel certs for recovered passengers will be released this week. And can I say, why did somebody not think of that one earlier? The easiest way to do this would be, particularly for the people who have recovered from COVID, do some system where you fill in an online form, give them all of the information that would be requested from you over the phone to somebody at that helpline and then have have a bunch of people processing the certs but doing it from online. How much easier will that make it? TDs and Senators also raised the, uh, raised the Minister for State, Oisín Smith's tweet 
on Monday. Now, Oshin, as far as I know, Oshin Smith is away on his holidays. I don't exactly know where he is, but I'm sure he was tweeting from his holidays. But he really caused confusion on Monday because he said, I think he started to realise there was a volume of calls going into the call centre. So he issued a tweet saying that passengers could travel with the HSE vaccination cards or they could travel with a negative PCR uh, test. And he says, and this is his tweet, he said, it's important to remember that the digital COVID certificate is not essential for travelling. You can still travel on your vaccine card or you can travel with a negative PCR PCR, uh, test. However, it turns out that information it's not always the case with every, with every country because, of course, what's making a lot of coverage, both online and on the papers, I think it was about 25 Irish passengers who got off the aeroplane in Malta. They showed their vaccination cards to prove that they had been vaccinated and the Maltese official says, uh-oh, you are not coming into this country unless you have your digital COVID certificate and they were all sent into a quarantine hotel which, by the way, they had to pay for themselves. They couldn't stay in the hotel or the apartment that they had booked for their holidays to Malta. They were all sent to the, to the recognised quarantine hotel, like what we have here in this country. Even though the Maltese one seemed a little bit cheaper, it's €100 Euro a night. But anyway, if you've got to do that for 14 uh, nights, and I'm assuming your holiday is probably not more than 14 days, so there's a lot of hassle with those people over in Malta. And actually, it's one of the things we are going to be covering later on in the programme today. We're going to be speaking with the Travel Agents Association just to let people know that you really need to check all the fine fine print and the fine details on what are the rules and regulations pertaining to the country that you're going to visit. Because when I heard what happened to the people getting off the plane in Malta, I straight away went on to check, well, what are the restrictions for Malta? And it clearly states that in Malta they will not allow you on holidays unless you have a an EU the EU digital COVID certificate and it says that they will not accept handwritten vaccination certs and of course that's exactly what our uh, vaccination certs are because when you went to get your vaccine the nurse, the doctor, whoever gave you your vaccine filled in the details, they're not accepting that in Malta and and in, and in their defence, Malta have been doing really well in keeping their COVID numbers uh, down, they really depend on tourism they decided to open back up tourism and I think they're watching what has happened in Portugal, in Spain in Ibiza, Mallorca Menorca and I suppose they're kind of thinking we don't want that to happen here we don't want to get outbreaks of COVID and we certainly don't want to bring COVID into this country so they're doing the very best that they can by having a very strict regime in place and I think they're right to do that because like ourselves they are an island and they're trying to protect uh, their little island but it didn't help that we had our own minister who was responsible for these digital COVID certificates telling people that they could travel with their HSE vaccine cards because he obviously didn't realise that that wasn't the case for all countries. Listener says, you don't need one of the digital COVID certificates for travelling. We were never asked once for this. It's another scare tactic. Well, they were only introduced on Monday of this week. So unless you've travelled out of the country and came back in the last few days, I'd be interested to know where where did you go? I did hear that some of the airlines are not looking looking for them. But this is this is where it gets important. You need to check with the country that you're arriving in because look what happened to those people who got off the plane in Malta and somebody's saying Patricia how did they get through the airport in Dublin without the certificate only then to be put into quarantine in Malta uh, when they got there see some of the airlines 
Uh, Ryanair in particular from Dublin Airport on Monday uh, were, were not looking for the digital COVID certificates because it's not up to the airline to request them. Some airlines will request it. It's when you get off the plane and you arrive in the country, each country then has their own rules and regulations. That's why it's so important if you are travelling overseas that you need to check the rules and the regulations in each individual country because they differ from country to country. And then another, Maura, one of our listeners says, Morning Patricia, I got what I feel is a useless digital COVID certificate yesterday. It's a piece of paper I'll never use. Now, I have a pity for people who are travelling and want those. But why would you want to travel? You're still living in a pandemic. I'm lucky if I go to the local shop, says uh, Maura. But remember, and we're going to be talking about in a couple of minutes, the reopening of indoor uh, dining. It's looking like the indoor dining because that's only going to be for vaccinated or people who've uh, recovered. You will be using your digital COVID certificate to get into a local restaurant or a local pub or gastro pub or whatever and we're going to be talking about that in just a moment but before that can I say congratulations to SARS Connor McCarthy's minors who had a good win over Neighbours Glen Rovers last night well done all and that comes in from Finbar O'Brien who is the coaching officer at uh, SARS congratulations uh, lads John Paul taking your calls 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Anticipation that indoor hospitality is set to return to our shores the next Monday. What will the rules and the regulations look like? Who can dine and drink indoors? How long can you stay? Just some of the questions being bandied uh, about. Uh, hopefully, able to address some of those issues is Michael O'Donovan Court. Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very uh, welcome. And I can already hear the excitement in your voice. Is it now for definite that we uh, that reopening is occurring on Monday? Yes. Uh, look, it, it, the president has signed the legislation. The cabinet approved it yesterday. So, from ten thirty um, on Monday morning, licensed premises can reopen indoors. Okay, what what do we know and not know about the guidelines on how indoor hospitality is going to operate? Well, the first thing to say, Patricia, is the guidelines have not been published yet. Um, I was even checking with Dublin there just at 10 o'clock and at 10 to 10 I checked the Fault Ireland uh, website myself and they're not published. The last set of guidelines that were published was an update to the guidelines for outdoor hospitality on the 7th of June. They were updated on the 1st of July. But what we do know from, I suppose, um, what we were told in consultations with government uh, um, parties was that the indoor um, dining time, the one hour 45 minutes, will be abolished. Um, so people can book a table and there is no time restrictions. Now, I would put a proviso on that, that if some uh, premises, especially those that are big into food and have a kitchen brigade, they may need to maintain a time limit just to to make ends meet if they're limited in capacity. And and in fairness, pre-pandemic, I would often have been in a restaurant and when we booked a table, say, for seven o'clock, we would be told you've got to be gone by nine because we have another booking on that table and we knew when we booked the table. So it's something similar to that. It's something similar to that, exactly. And look, it's not anything new, but I would envisage that it would only be at peak times, i.e. Friday evening, Saturday evening, 
potentially it might uh, come into play as well in staycation areas where people will have to try and turn over tables to try and uh, get people through their business but I would envisage that would be the only scenario that the, that people might uh, t- uh, maintain the one hour 45 minutes But for the, uh, pu- for the pub for, the, for your own trade do you welcome that? Uh, well, for for me, not having the time limit absolutely is uh, it's it's a huge bonus because look, uh, we're a very small premises. We we're what we are going to do for the first week is maintain our two meter social distancing, and um, just so that we can get back into things and I suppose get things up and running from Monday, and then on the second week we'll review it and we might uh, we might reduce the table spacing to one meter. But for the first week, we are going to go with the two meter like we had last September, um, and I suppose just for ourselves to get to get into the swing of things and see how it goes but I think the the big change that we will have this time as opposed to previous times is at the door we will have to um, ask people to show proof of vaccination which is something we did not want to be doing but uh, in order to open on Monday it is the only thing that we um, that, that, that was forced upon us so that we can open so we'll be asking the public when they do come to our door um, you know that they would have their vaccine card their vaccine cert or their if it, they have it on their phone that they have it ready so um, that they can show it to us at the door because then it will speed up entry we don't want people to be delayed at the doors um, and we take the lead person's name and contact details just like before but if there's four in the group or two in the group or six in the group all six four or two will have to show their their vaccine certificate Okay, now because at the top of the programme I was talking about the huge delays uh, with people trying to get the digital COVID certificate and some of the problems uh, with that. You ideally, if somebody has their DCC, the the digital card, that's that's perfect for you. But you will you also accept the HSE's vaccination card? Yes. Look, we're we're told once the person can show us proof of vaccination. Um, that's what we have to accept. And for the first, look, they're, they're telling us the app will be developed by the end of this week. Um, I, I, look, I myself, I'm going to start off next week doing the visual inspections. So, um, so the, we, we won't be using the app, I suppose, for the first few days, and then we will start using the app. But um, for the first few days, it will be a visual inspection for the vast majority. Um, and once you can prove your vaccine, that you're vaccinated, um, that's all we're asked to check. Will you ask for photographic ID to prove that I am the person that's on my digital COVID certificate? It's, as, look, until we see the regulations, it, um, look, I haven't heard that that's part of it. We would be very much against having to do that because that is not our job. Yeah, I mean, you're almost becoming the COVID police, which is not, not what you're in the business uh, no. to, uh, to do. OK, so there won't be a time limit. Did I hear closing time is going to be earlier, is it? it well, it's going to be the same as last year, 11pm last uh, last drinks orders, and everybody must be off the premises for 11.30. And I think, look, one of the disappointing things that we had lobbied for um, and asked for is music, because it's something I've been inundated with the last 48 hours. Unfortunately, it does look like that there's still going to be no live music or no loud music indoors. But what we are very hopeful and we're waiting to see the guidelines today is that uh, if you have outdoor setting, that you may be allowed to use it. But again, until we see the final draft of the guidelines, we have to wait on that. Uh, But it is something we did push for. But whether we get it or not, we'll have to wait uh, another couple of hours until the guidelines are published. And everybody out by half eleven. Yes. Uh, particularly in, in the city areas, 
does that just throw everybody out onto the street all at the one time and that it, can lead in itself into, into problems? It, it can and look, look I suppose uh, Patricia, we have to start off somewhere. This is the starting point that we're coming from on Monday, and we will be hopeful in the coming weeks. Um, look, the the Tornista and his team have said we will sit down and review, and that will be one of our uh, points that we'd like to see reviewed in the coming weeks. That that closing time might be extended out to normal closing times for different size pubs. You know what what was here before, but look, we have to start here on Monday. This is what the, they've set out in the rules and regulations, so we have to follow it. Um, and look, I suppose everywhere is operating at a very reduced capacity. Like my capacity now for next Monday will be thirty-two people. So you know, um, like all venues will be will be down. You know, fifty percent, sixty percent, depending on what way they go with their social distancing. So you won't have the huge volume of crowds. That's a good point. Yeah, that's that, a good point. That, uh, that you had prior, you know, to to to, to say in, nor- in normal times. John wants to know: Will every pub have to have that app to scan the digital COVID certificates? Look, it, uh, it's will every pub have to have it? No, because every pub will not be able to have it because depending on your broadband in your area, it's something that we've uh, that we had to you know bring to government's attention. If you're in certain areas, your broadband just you, you won't be able to support the the app. So. That's why the, there was the two options. You have the, the visual check with putting a tick in a box on the contact tracing sheet or you have the, the, the app. So some will use the app and some will stay to the, to the paper format. OK, there's been much talk about good ventilation, uh, Michael. Are you, are, is there going to be guidelines around ventilation and uh, will you have to be installing CO2 monitors, for example? Yeah, look, again, um, it was something that we brought to the attention of the government. We actually wrote, uh, our CEO wrote to the Tarnished uh, about 12 months ago uh, about ventilation. It only came to the discussions last week, really, to be honest. Um, And look, I suppose we're lucky in where we are now, the end of July, going into August, the weather hopefully will stay fine as it is at the moment. So everybody will have doors and windows open, so there will be a true flow of air. So it, it, it won't be an issue right now. It's when uh, weather, I suppose, changes when we get September, October. But um, look, it, it, will it be in the guidelines? We're, we're not 100% sure yet if there'll be a requirement for CO2 monitors. I have, uh, I've installed the CO2 monitor here myself. I got it in a hardware store yesterday. Um, they were 50-odd euros to install it um, just to check the air. So, look, it'll give, I suppose, customers peace of mind Absolutely. if we have those. Uh, those Absolutely. Those. But and will they keep... be in the regulations? We have to wait and see. Yeah, you just can't, because I know we did an interview on it with a professor from UCC last week, and, it, you know, you just keep an eye on it and then just throw open the doors and windows, and then you're yeah, back well, to it. It's, it's, but, it's a great idea. But where we are right now, like, I'm, I'm standing here in my bar right now I have the, the front door is closed but I have the front windows open I have the back door open I have the side door open <laughs> and, and it's, it's still warm in here and I'm on my own so everyone will have the windows and doors open they for will. the next they, couple of weeks they, they will indeed and of course the hope uh, Michael is that once you open you will remain open and we will never again have to do these interviews uh, about the, the closure of indoor hospitality well, well that is the hope and to be fair the government have said that, that once they open something, they hope not to go back. And um, that's what we're, we'll be striving for, to be quite honest. So a, a few frantic few days getting everything. Have you the orders in and getting everything ready? Yeah, look, everything is, is in place now. And I'm, I'm here, uh, I suppose, dusting and 
cleaning the place and getting it ready and I hope to be ready by this evening really because I said to my wife and kids we've we've never done the the mizzen walk and we hope to do it tomorrow so to get cleared ahead for a day or two before we come back in here Sunday then and do a final prep I suppose and run through and then we'll be ready to open the doors Monday. Well done well best of luck with it uh, Michael Uh, we'll speak again but in the meantime thank you for taking time out to talk to us. No problem thank Uh, you. Good morning to you bye bye that is uh, Michael O'Donovan who is uh, Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of uh, Ireland and of course owner of the Castle Bar in the city Larry and Douglas says he's actually in favour of all the bars closing early last orders at 11 everybody out by half 11 he says has anybody else noticed less hassle on our streets since the bars closed earlier so he really doesn't have an issue uh, with that. 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie A national fundraising drive to raise vital funds for the Irish Lung Fibrosis Association is currently underway with people asked to donate through a justgiving.com campaign. To chat about the condition I'm joined by Liam Galvin who is a volunteer with the Irish Lung Fibrosis Association. Good morning to you Liam. Good morning Patricia. Uh, Well you're very welcome uh, to the programme. I suppose can you start by outlining what is lung fibrosis? Yeah it's a relatively rare disease it causes lung scarring so that's very much in the news with COVID-19 because a lot of people get lung scarring from COVID but it's of there's no known cause for it Um, it's not due to anything so um, it's rare, very chronic it's more serious than most cancers but it's relatively unknown no one's really heard of it how common, how, when you say it's rare, how many people in Ireland will be diagnosed with it? It's roughly about 1,000 a year and with a life expectancy of about two to three years. Goodness. And is it hereditary? It's not. Some families might be more prone to it. So out of every 100 people who get it, uh, 10 people might be related. But it doesn't classify as a hereditary or genetic because so many people aren't related. And can people of any age group get diagnosed with it? it yes, basically. Um, it, it, it's mo- most common to be diagnosed after you're 50, so it, it tends to affect the older population. And you say from diagnosis, a life expectancy of two to three years? Yeah, uh, fortunately, like that's slightly better now because there are treatments what slow down the disease, but it, it, it varies. But yes, so like uh, other than two pancreatic cancer is probably that has the highest mortality rates of most common diseases or rare diseases. And you know so much about it because you've lived with it through your uh, beautiful wife, um, Phil. Uh, tell me about Phil and when did you realise there was the problem and when was she diagnosed? Yeah, well, Phil was uh, the love of my life. I, I met her at the failure in 1990 because obviously I was brought up in London and came over here for the failure in 1990, and I was lucky enough to meet her. Um, we've had a charmed life here um, in Furless until about 2012 when she was diagnosed. Um, but we, we had heard of the disease before because, unfortunately, uh, in 2009, one of her brothers was diagnosed with it, and then one of her sisters, and Phil was the third one to be diagnosed, and, and she lived for two years after diagnosis. 
So as soon as she heard the news, she knew what was ahead? She did, yeah, yeah, because we had all, she was actually diagnosed in between her brother and sister's funeral. Um, so she um, knew in between their funerals that um, she had it and we knew God, what was ahead. Tough. That is, that is uh, tough. And what was her quality of life for those two years? Uh, she, she kept, she, she worked, she had studied psychology and we both worked with um uh, children and adults with special needs. So she continued working uh, until just about six months before she passed away because she wanted to sort of stay as normal as possible. Exercise is very good uh, for you. And obviously when you're facing a terminal illness, anxiety um, is a big issue. So like she wanted to keep as normal as possible. Plus uh, for our, our children, she just wanted to be the fun-loving mum. But yeah, towards the end... Uh, she would need oxygen, she wouldn't be able to walk very far, we had to have a stair lift installed, that sort of thing. And what age was she when she passed away? Uh, 56. Goodness me, may she rest in peace. That is that is, is truly, truly shocking. And and even though, you know, Phil no longer with us, Aleem, you decided to stay involved with, with the association. Yeah, because they'd been so helpful. Um, I, I remember two of the patients uh, who we first met was through ILFA, and they gave us a lot of advice. Uh, Pam Martin, who's actually organising this f- fundraiser, and uh, uh, a man from Cork, Pat Casey. Uh, he was from Crosshaven. He, he was a patient as well. And by meeting other patients and from the information that the association gave us, we were able to cope better with um, what was ahead of us. And they also gave us good advice about stair lifts, the practicalities. So yeah. That, that's why, like, um, because that's been so helpful to all of Phil's family, I, I sort of made it her legacy that I would ha- help and volunteer. So that I've been involved for roughly over 10 years now. Well done. Well done. And, and do you connect with other patients and try to pass on the knowledge that you've gained through living with Phil? Yeah, I mean, we run support groups. We Like, obviously, during COVID, these have been online. We have a sort of, always have someone on the end of a phone who can help with practical matters and we, we also sort of work with doctors and nurses to make sure that um, we have very trusted information because obviously on the internet <laughs> Dr. Google can scare you and like it is a scary disease but there's there's hope and, and obviously some people do manage to last um, a long time. Yeah, and you know, please God, with more research into these conditions, we, you know, nobody knows what the future holds. Look how quickly they managed to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. You know, we've got fantastic scientists working in laboratories all over the world. You know, maybe one day they'll come up with a cure for this condition. Who knows? Well, I hope so. And we, we, we feel that, like, because COVID uh, has caused lung scarring in patients, um, there is a big worry and early evidence that um, people who have survived COVID are now developing lung scarring, which of a progressive type, meaning, unfortunately, there will be much more people with the same sort of symptoms and timeline that IPF and the disease still had. Um, so there's, there's going to be, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more patients with this type of lung scarring. So for people who mock COVID and saying, I should, it's, only, it's only a bad flu, you never know what the long-term implications of this condition, uh, of what this virus can do to you. In, indeed, and like early evidence is already pouring in from Italy that there is that sort of um, long-term chance that this uh, progressive lung scarring will be triggered by what, 
what's gone on with the COVID um, pandemic. Listen, your your love story with Phil is really quite special. You take me back. You were you were living in London, yep. and you decided to come over for a fail in nineteen ninety. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Had you ever been to Thurlis before? No, I'd never heard of it. Um, <laughs> not unlike everyone in Cork who, who's often up here for the stadium, but I, I, I just happened to like the thing. I, I'd been obviously my parents were Irish; they're from Waterford, so um, I, I knew Waterford quite well, but I'd never been to Tipperary. So, yeah, it was just a chance meeting, and uh, uh, it was like a fairy tale for me. We we had a very happy life, and I, I love Ireland. Um, and, and, and still and live Phil, here. Phil is from was from Thurles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One, she she's one of uh, she was one of twelve brothers and sisters. So that's another reason. Obviously, with another nine of her siblings, they're looking at each other, wondering if they will get the disease or whether their children might possibly yeah, get it. Please God, they won't. Please God, they won't. I remember failing nineteen meatloaf. I was a, I was a huge meatloaf fan. I remember being a failing nineteen, and hot house flowers were there as well. Okay, and I, I just love the the fact that you met and fell in love, and, and that was it. And how quickly did you come back to Thurles then and, and decide to stay there forever? Well, we we I, I was we back in the day. I was corresponding by letter <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> but I, I came back for all of the failures, uh, and like even for I spent a good bit of time here. I, I finally moved over permanently in '94, so like we were back in a long, t- long distance relationship, I suppose, for the first couple of years. Then it became semi permanent, then totally permanent. Then in '94, and she never thought about going over to you in London. That was never an option. Ah, uh, no. Well, we, she, we, we later on when my my father was actually ill, we we did spend two years in London, and we we went over there and um, worked there and cared for him. But then, yeah, no, we we settled back here and. Uh, uh, I've been very happy here in Furless. Um. So, so Thurlis Tar- now is home for Liam Galvin. Afraid so, yep. Fine, okay. fine, final uh, well done. stop. Well, well done. And listen, people can donate to the Lung Fibrosis Association. There is a Just Giving page, isn't there? There, there is. Justgiving.com. Uh, and like what we're really hoping for, because like we're all volunteers, um, we, like we've come up with this, or Pam Martin came up with this idea of a book drive, so that's taking place in Cork uh, this Sunday, um, books can be dropped off between two and four at the West Side Centre and the Model Farm Road, Bishopsgate. Oh, oh, my apologies. I thought that that book drop off was only in Dublin. There's a book drop. So, so you're looking for this is a book drive. It's uh, any kind of second hand book except school books. That's um, right. And it's, so giving the details of wh- where they can be dropped off. Yeah, it's the West Side Centre. West Side Centre, yeah. Model Farm Road. Yeah. Bishopsgate. Model Farm Road, okay, but and, and, and on what day? Tax office on on this Sunday is Bookworld.ie have like because they're they're very supportive of um, our charities that they've come up with the idea that also they should do it in Cork, so that's okay, taking well place done. this Sunday. Okay, listen, good luck with that, Liam. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that, and look after yourself and Thurlis. Thanks very much. Stay Take safe. Care. My Thank my you. Bible, a reminder to you to stay tuned because at some stage on the programme today we will tell you when to text or WhatsApp us and you're in with the chance of winning another one of the C103's Smart Speaker giveaway with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. You've got to stay listening to win and remember the winning phrase 
play C103. And yes, I do have one more of those speakers uh, to give away today. So do stay tuned uh, for that. And this says, hi Patricia, could you give the details please of the book drive that's happening in Cork City on Sunday? I didn't catch it at the end of the interview about the Irish, Irish Lung Fibrosis Association. I can. It is going to, the book drive is at Westside Centre on the Model Farm uh, Road. It's a fundraising book drive and they are looking for all books except for school books that have been generally used and are in good condition. So you can drop them off um, Sunday morning, I'm sure. He said I think it was morning time. I'll get confirmation. I'll get John Paul to get confirmation on the time, but I'm sure it was morning time. But anyway, it's the West Side Centre on the Model Farm Road in the city. If you have any books that you would like to do- drop off, second-hand books, and it's going to be used to raise funds for the Irish Lung Fibrosis Association. Some of your other texts coming in to us. Patricia, this is from Moyne. Can you help me, please? If you've received your vaccination at the pharmacy, by which means will you receive your digital COVID certificate? I'm just asking because we're going to a hotel in a couple of weeks and I'm wondering if hotels and pubs and restaurants will accept the vaccination card that we received at the pharmacy on the day if I don't have my digital COVID uh, certificate. Oh, well, Maureen, I, I've heard of people who got a vaccination, got vaccinations in the pharmacy. I've heard of some who've received them by post and I've heard of others who received it by email. So keep a lookout for your email. If you gave an email, then there is a possibility you get it by email. But a number of people didn't give any email details and therefore they are being uh, posted out. Now, uh, we were waiting on the official guide guidelines which should be issued at some stage today about indoor hospitality. I did ask Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners Federation would people have to have an EU digital COVID certificate bearing in mind that not everybody will have. Everyone's entitled to go in either vaccinated or people who have recovered from COVID-19 in the last 180 days. Not everybody will have one of these uh, certs. So it's it's going to create a little bit of a problem. My instinct would tell me that yes, they will allow people to bring in their HSE vaccination card, but we're going to have to wait until the efficient guidelines come, come out. But as to going into the hotel where you're saying, you certainly don't need it for that because hotels still are allowed to have people vaccinated and unvaccinated. If you're booked into a hotel, you're booked into a hotel. It doesn't it doesn't matter your vaccination status. And that will be the same, obviously, for the indoor dining at the hotel where you're staying. But I know if you're staying in a hotel for a few days, you might want to wander around and do indoor dining or go into a pub in the area. And I, my gut will tell me that your vaccination card will do. But let's wait and see what the guidelines are. And when you think of the problems that they're having trying to issue these certs at the moment, I'm assuming that the government are going to do everything to make it as easy as possible for hospitality. So I would imagine that they will come out at some stage today and say that your vaccination card will do in, instead. But as soon as we get further details on that morning, certainly we'll bring it to you. Uh, John and Carrie Alliance says, Patricia, I think it's a great idea that they're going to be closing all the pubs, drinking up time at 11, everybody out at half past 11. John and Carrie Alliance feels that this should continue well into the future. Everyone can see that there's less hassle on the streets and less people fighting. John says the day of the nightclubs should now be long gone. After all, says John, a little bit sarcastically, all drinking is essential business in Ireland. Shouldn't we be lost without it? So John is somebody saying no more nightclubs, leave everybody home at half past 11. And then on the reading of the 
COVID digital certificates and what will pubs do if they don't have the app? Now, Michael says he doesn't reckon that it's going to be essential that everybody has the app. In local pubs, they can visually look at the cert to make sure that, and they'll know a lot of the people uh, as well, that the person has the uh, cert- uh, certificate. Uh, somebody says that, well, the pub, and we also, he said that when they were in negotiations about this, they pointed out that people in rural areas don't always have broadband and apps mightn't always work for publicans and for restaurateurs. Somebody says, hi, the pub that I go to, you have to go out the pub door, you have to go up the hill and then wait to try to get a signal if you want to make a call on your mobile phone and you know something if you're visiting pubs like that I just I remember being in Skull a number of years ago and when we arrived into the pub in Skull we discovered that none none of our mobile phones worked and you know it was fantastic everyone just put their phone down you couldn't get a call from anyone it was uh, great but yet that is going to be a problem in a number of rural areas if there's an an app that does need internet connection but Dennis then says if you switch off the Wi-Fi and data on your phone and open up the HSC tracker app and wait 10 seconds for it to load. Then you can go and scan the digital COVID certificates QR code and it will still scan. No internet or broadband connection required. Presumably the restaurants using the app to be released next week will not require any internet connection. I think, Dennis, that's slightly different to loading the QR code onto your phone as opposed to an app where somebody's got to read the information on it. I'm assuming, from what I can gather, the app that's been worked on, you definitely do need to have a broadband connection. I think what you're talking about is somebody actually scanning it onto their own app. That's very different to the information that the the, the bars and the hotels and the publicans in actually reading the QR uh, code, because it's one of the reasons that they've said in hospitality that they can either go with the app or they can use a visual inspection instead. Morning, Patricia. I'm just wondering with these new rules around indoor uh, dining, they'll probably work out well in urban areas where you have a passing trade. But in my experience, the normal small country pub where everybody knows everyone, I doubt the publican is going to be turning away a person that they have known all of their lives if they don't have their vaccination cert with them. This is just my opinion, but I think we all know that there are some establishments that are allowing the locals in to drink at the bar and that's happening already, says a texter. West Coast listener says I have zero interest in eating indoors if it's raining. I'll simply stay home. I have my digital COVID certificate. I am fully vaccinated but I have no intention of eating in a restaurant or pub at the moment says a West Cork listener and you're not on your own. There are other people as well still quite nervous. We, we still have a pandemic. We are now officially, didn't the T-shirt was at the Thornish yesterday said we're now officially into a fourth wave. They're expecting figures could go to 4,000 cases a day. So there's still a danger out there. We know that even people who are fully vaccinated can still pick up COVID-19, even though thankfully it's looking like people don't get sick or people don't even realise that they are, that they even have COVID-19 in many cases. But so, yeah, so people are making that decision. And listen to that West Cork listener, you're not on your own. I've, I've heard Experts, I've heard immunologists when they were asked, would you take you and your family and would you do go off on indoor dining? And they said, no, they would prefer to eat outside. And we've all been told eating outside is much better. And the key to it all is uh, ventilation. Hi, Patricia, do you know, does the name on the COVID 
digital certificate have to be the, exactly the same as the name on your passport. There are two Christian names on my passport, but there's only one name on my digital COVID uh, certificate. We were trying to get the definite answer on that last week because we had a number of people who were in a much worse d- dilemma than you, that at least you've got one name that matches your passport. We've got people who've got completely different names Ted was the one that springs to mind a gentleman called Ted his doctor knows him as Ted so his COVID certificate says Ted whatever his surname is and his passport is Timothy two completely different uh, names now I know we were told but I'm not telling anyone unless you're travelling to go through the helpline that they will be able to they'll have access and will be able to change the name on your COVID digital certificate but I would only be saying that to people who are travelling in the next 10 days I certainly would be nervous about turning up at an airport with a wrong name on a COVID cert, one that doesn't match the one on the passport. Some airlines, and we won't name anyone in particular, are quite pedantic about everything having to match everything or you're not allowed on to the plane. So I certainly would be, if you are planning on travelling, I would certainly be getting working on that. If you're travelling within the next 10 days, then you're going to have to have a lot of patience and ring the digital COVID certificate helpline. The new number now is 1-800-807-008. 1-800-807-008. But only ring that if you're travelling in the next 10 days. Our numbers are, our numbers is open 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking those calls, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jobs. A HGV mechanic is wanted. That's for work in Watergrass Hill. Full Arctic licence is required. A scaffolder is wanted. That's for the Cork Northside and McCroom areas. While Longueville House in Mallow, they've got a vacancy for housekeeping assistant. And an electrical apprentice is wanted for small electrical company in Bandon in West Cork. You'll find all the details and many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, Monday last was hailed as a day of hope by the Irish Aviation Authority as tight restrictions on international travel were finally eased to try to find out what sort of an uptake there has been on foreign holidays. I'm joined by Pat Dawson, who is Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, I know we are nowhere near pre-pandemic levels of travel for this time of the year, but what sort of an uptake are your members seeing? Yeah, it's certainly, Patricia, it's getting busier and busier. And you notice this from flights and from price of flights. You know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, uh, you know, there were, there were sort of cheap affairs and there wouldn't be about July and August, but certainly they're, they're, they have spiked now. The fares are getting dearer and dearer as people book. So there is no doubt about it. I mean, we, we did a study with some of our members in the, in the two days ago and, you know, one particular online agent was up over 30%. 15, 20%. So there's definitely movement. There's no doubt about that. Where are the popular destinations? Mainly Spain and, 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 and Portugal because that's where most of the flights are. And you have to remember that, you know, we're only operating about 25, 30% air capacity, uh, be it out of Cork, Shannon, Dublin or Rock Airport. So, you know, there is a restricted amount of, of aircraft flying, uh, but it is getting better. 
I mean, Dublin would be a daily would uh, have 20,000 20, passengers uh, last week. Uh, now it's uh, it's building up, but normally it would be over a hundred thousand a day at this time. Uh, so, so we're we're a long ways to go, but it's a slow burn. And people, Pat, need to be careful to check the rules and regulations of their destinations. There was a problem with Malta this week, for example. Yeah, yeah, there was. And, and you see, it's sort of, uh, things are being done sort of a rushed. And, and you can't rush travel and documentation. You really have to be careful. So it was put out there that, the, you know, the vaccination cards that you would get with the two shots, that they were valid entry into Malta. And in actual fact, it was wrong information people were given, and uh, but luckily enough, uh, there were those twenty-five people were quarantined. Just I think for uh, for half a day uh, until the Department of Foreign Affairs, to be fair, uh, got got their certificates out to them uh, and sort of I mean released them from the mandatory hotel. So exactly. it, it ended up okay, but it was it was a, a bad experience when you're starting your holidays during these times. But if you checked on them on any of the websites, it clearly stated that Malta were only accepting people with the digital COVID certificate. It, it did, yeah. There, there is no doubt about it, and and there is plenty of uh, like plenty of apps and websites. There's government gov.ie, there's dfa.ie, and reopeneurope.eu, and there's plenty of information. And you know, anyone that, that would have booked with a travel agent would would be advised of, of the the. Uh, foreign against it as well and one thing Patricia that's happening an awful lot and I just got a call just uh, waiting to speak to you was uh, uh, people again let's say the mature generation who, who uh, their name might be uh, like a, a male might be Sean with his doctor and John on his passport uh, and you know if, if he or she got uh, got uh, their, their doses in, 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 a, in a doctor's surgery uh, and uh, so it, he would be Sean, but the passport would be John, and that won't be accepted. Both have to match uh, identity. The identity must be the same. So it's either John on, on board or Mary on board or whatever it is, but that's a Mary Margaret thing. So people really have to check that and check their passports and check their certificates. Uh, I mean, I got my certificate in the post. Uh, uh, I've, I've uh, 10 days since I got vaccinated, the second dose, and I arrived safely and soundly but the minute I got it I opened it I read through it to make sure it's okay yeah. and I would recommend that big time Well we've had a number of listeners it's exactly what you've described we had one man he was the first to draw our attention to it he's known locally as Ted and his doctor would know him as Ted but his actual name and his passport is Timothy and of course he's, <laughs> his search has arrived with uh, Ted and for those people they have to get on to the Digital Covid Certificate helpline and all I can say to them Pat is good luck with that 93% of yeah. calls have gone unanswered yeah, yeah, and, and, and again this morning, because we're keeping a very close eye on it, um, I, I was talking to a person and, and she was uh, two hours uh, still waiting because she was an issue, the same issue as we were speaking about, she was an issue with the passport and, and the cert, and uh, she was two hours this morning. Now, you know, um, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, you know, it's easy to throw blame around it, we're not in the blame game. But I, I, I don't think people were expecting this. And what happened, Patricia, with the, with the lines is that people who are booked book weeks and weeks in advance, they're ringing now. And, you know, so everyone is ringing, even though some people might be going for weeks. And therefore, the people who have urgent 
I urgently need to speak to them uh, are, not, are not getting through. But I, I hope, hopefully, you know, best part of this week, and, and that, that problem uh, has well, to disappear, yeah. or people, people will be in trouble. Well, I know when I mentioned her earlier, Liz uh, Canavan from the uh, Department of, the, she's Secretary of the Department of the Taoiseach, she said to people, only ring the number if you're travelling within the next 10 days and you need to get your digital COVID certificate for travel. Everybody right. else, hold off. Because they yeah. they're getting calls in for people who are travelling in September and October. You know, you've got weeks and months away to wait. Yeah, yeah, and there's this panic, and there's no need to panic, and, and you know, just you'll be helping out the people who have an immediate problem, and, and, and that's the thing to do. So, you know, if you're, as you said, if you're going September, October, for a few weeks, and yeah. you'll, be, you'll be fine at Hold the end off. of the day. Now, a couple of questions in for you, Pat. Can families travel with unvaccinated children? One listener says, I'm totally confused. Do they need to have negative PCR uh, tests? We're hoping to get away in September. What's they the need negative, P- yeah, yeah, kids. Ne- negative PCR tests. I think it's moved now. Again, double check it because what I tell you today, it might be different tomorrow. Yeah. With 12 to 17 year olds, uh, they definitely need a PCR test. It was up to, up to up to seven, but it's now 12. But please double check it because I'm not an expert on all the ins and outs of it. And, and there's, there's go-to places to, just to make sure because things change. I mean, if you take, uh, if you're living in the UK, I mean, they have a turbulency now where, where they're dependent on traffic light system, which we had last year. Uh, and there was a case where an aircraft took off and the next thing, they were, I think they were going to Lisbon or somewhere, took off and midway through the flight, the, the country went, went uh, amber and, and the plane had to come back. Mm. Yeah, but it... that won't happen in Ireland or, or in the EU. I mean, uh, the planes are fine. Everything, everything is running smoothly. And then airports are not busy. So, it's, uh, you know, the airport has done uh, great work and getting people through. And it's pretty hassle-free as such uh, because there, there, there are not many in it compared to what there should be. So it's, uh, it, they're making it out to be a, a good experience. Yeah, everyone's saying it's a very pleasant experience because there's not that, uh, unfortunately for the airlines and the airports, there's not, there's not that uh, m- many people. So good offers on foreign holidays, would you say at the moment, um, Pat? There, if you there are, yeah. There, yeah. there certainly are. And I, I know, and, and the resorts are quite, uh, uh, I was speaking to people uh, who were down, down in Marbella and it, 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 it's very quiet. So there's no such thing as queuing up for to, to get a meal or whatever else, or bars and restaurants or whatever else. Uh, there's, there's parts, uh, I mean, there's, there's Spain, for example, has 17 regions. Now, there's parts of Spain that, that sort of, the they close restaurants or pubs earlier and that. So you really want to be briefed uh, and, and ask your travel agent, if you book with a travel agent, you know, the ins and outs of all of that, uh, where you're going, no matter what country it is, just to be, just to be sure, because it's really changing you know, uh, every other day and, mm. and, and just be sure and, and check and double check and, and, and you won't go wrong. And then whenever, whatever destination you arrive in, there will be various restrictions. You know, there's in some places there's curfews and the bars are closing earlier. Others, you will have to wear face masks. So you just abide by all of the rules and regulations on whatever your destination is. And autumn, winter then, Pat, is that starting to book up? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The, the, the October bank holiday, I believe, is full and so is Christmas. Yeah, uh, see, I, I think some people are holding off. They prefer to they wait. Yeah, yeah. They are, yeah, and and really, like they, they, I know, fl- I know, flights now are are filling up, but now uh, at this time of the year, they should be packed and full, and not uh, not a seat to be had as such. Uh, certainly, they're probably 
they're probably going out 60-70% full. Uh, now, I mean, three weeks ago, it, it was 20%, and I know some aircraft left with four or five people on them as such, but that has, since the 19th, as you say, Freedom Day, uh, that, that certainly has uh, changed drastically. Okay, listen, uh, Pat, we appreciate you taking time to uh, talk to us. Thank you for that. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Pat Dawson. Bye-bye. Pat Dawson, uh, Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. And uh, I know lots of people, some people book with travel agents, other people like to book holidays themselves. But I think with so much uncertainty around travel, that is the one advantage if you book with a travel agent and something goes wrong when you're away or you're about to go away, you do have some kind of a fall back and they are fantastic if something God forbid does go wrong in helping to sort out their customers 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and can I just go back to that second hand book collection that is happening on Sunday for the Lung Fibrosis Association that we spoke about uh, earlier any second-hand book in good condition and lots of people it seems have second-hand books lying around at the house because I think some charity shops, I don't know if it's still the case now but at the beginning of the pandemic some charity shops stopped, stopped accepting uh, books, no, not all, some, but some did and therefore there was others had lots and lots of books and then you've got people who read an awful lot during the pandemic and have ended up their, their houses are nearly full of second-hand books and I think books are one of those things that are great things to pass on and spread the love and pass it on to somebody else particularly if you've really enjoyed a book, I love to give books away I've, I rarely I've very few books that I've actually held on to for that very reason I just love to spread the love of a book and if I've really enjoyed it I want somebody else to enjoy it too so I never have any problem uh, passing on books anyway there's this collection of second hand books the West Side Centre on the Model Farm Road in Bishopstown it's, that's, it's right opposite the Motor Tax Office have you know where the Motor Tax Office is right opposite that the West Side uh, Centre and it's between 2 and 4 I want you to get confirmation of the time so two and four on Sunday if you're around Bishopstown Westside Centre drop off your books at please there they would be delighted to get any books in in good condition not school books though and then we've had a couple of calls in and I was waiting for this to happen about Elton John you know the Elton John tickets went on sale this morning now I'll have to get an update from John Paul I'm assuming they're all gone at this stage they went on sale at nine o'clock this morning uh, because Elton John is only doing this is his goodbye concert and he's only doing one concert in Ireland and he's picked us here in Cork which is fantastic and everybody's very excited about that but the tickets went on sale and when we announced that the tickets were going to be on sale this day when we did it last week people were saying do we know how much the tickets were and I had no idea I couldn't get any confirmation on how much the tickets were and and so I'm assuming people only found out when they went online this morning to Ticketmaster to purchase the tickets but it seems the tickets to Elton John are a little bit on the expensive side. Gareth in Carrick Tool was the first to contact us he describes himself as a huge fan of Elton John and he saw him before live in the marquee, really enjoyed the concert. He was all set and ready to go online, was online this morning. He said, kind of shocked at the price of the Porky Creeve tickets. He's wondering, is it because of COVID regulations that it's costing much more to run? I'd want, this concert isn't happening until 
It's around Patrick's Day, isn't it, of next year? It's 2022. I don't think it's got anything to do with COVID restrictions. Anyway, the price of the tickets for Elton John, the standing tickets... €199 each so bones of why didn't they just round it off to €200 so €200 for the standing ticket and then for the seated tickets what they're they're calling VIP packages but I can't find out what a VIP package is does that just mean it's a seat anyway they go up to €325 but the standing the pitch side standing tickets €199 for Elton John and I suppose if you're an Elton John fan you'll pay it but we've had a couple of people on this morning who thought that that was a little bit on the expensive side we'll see and try and find out I'm assuming they're all gone at this stage because the fact it is the goodbye concert I, I would take it within an hour where they sold out maybe at that price they're not we're going to Malagar the station where I'm joined by Sergeant Tony Cronin for this week's Guard the File uh, good morning to you Tony good morning Patricia and you're welcome to the programme now unfortunately we're, you're appealing for witnesses to what was a very sad and a tragic accident that happened in Canturk yes uh, Patricia the accident collision occurred last Tuesday morning at approximately 8am at Green Anne in Canturk which would be the road that would lead in from Mallow and Budfant into Kentork, very close to the recycling area. And there's um, an estate, the Hart Barry estate is on your right-hand side. The collision occurred here at approximately 8 a.m. Now, visibility was good. It was good right there. So we're appealing for witnesses. Traffic was relatively light at the time. So there was people moving about. There was a couple of trucks going in and out and motors. There may have been other pedestrians in the vicinity and we're appealing for anyone with dash cam footage or who may have seen the collision occur or who can assist the Gardaí in any aspect. We would be delighted to get a call from you at Esmalo or Kentor Garda Station. Again, it was Tuesday morning last at 8am at uh, Green Anne in Kentork. And once again, uh, our sympathies to uh, that lady's uh, family. It's just such a tragic, tragic uh, accident. If anyone can help, no matter how small the piece of information you have, please, please uh, come forward. OK, you now want to move from that to burglaries. Is, uh, are burglaries starting to, are we starting to see more burglaries in the area? What we're seeing is... Um, Attempts at burglaries, and there was an attempt uh, in Donrail recently where um, a car pulled into a driveway, there was um, a downstairs window open, and they got access, but the owner had to return to the property, and they made good their getaway. So, obviously the weather is very warm, people want to leave windows open, etc., but what we're appealing to is to mind your your own property, try and keep it as secure as possible, Um be vigilant for people that are on the prowl. If you notice something unusual or a person, a uh, form of transport that's unusual or someone sitting on a wall across from your property that shouldn't, you wouldn't recognise, uh, just keep an eye to it. There's no harm in calling your local RD and at least they can check it out and everyone can be satisfied uh, as to what's going on. We would appeal for people just to secure their property as best they can. I know it's difficult in this yeah. very extreme heat, yeah. but uh, just be mindful of that. Uh, you can lock windows, we'll say, with uh, different types of locks and that there's still air that can circulate inside in your house. So just try to be as vigilant as you can inside and outside the house. 
and, and watch I think, with their host. I, I think particularly when you're leaving the uh, property, we were talking earlier on in the week at the start of the heatwave, I was saying to people, you know, uh, have your windows and doors open early in the morning and late in, in the evening time to cool down the house and then have windows and curtains closed to try to keep the heat out. But I think if you, if you have the windows open, and it's lovely to have a bit of a breeze in, but if you're leaving the property, heading into town to do some shopping, picking up the kids, going visiting somebody, then you're just going to have to close all the doors and windows, make sure they're all closed. Yes, you can be gone for the shortest length of time, but you may be watched during that period when you leave your house. So just when you do leave your house, just make sure, you know, you have a look around to see is there anyone that you can see that checking or just hanging around your house or houses or your neighbour's house, etc. And there's no harm at all in ringing the guardy and asking them to check it out to see is everything okay. And I'm, gla- and, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned neighbours as well. Keep an eye out for your neighbour's property. You know your neighbour's movements if they're away or if they're gone to work or whatever. And if you see anything suspicious, as you said, just ring the local Gardaí. Ring the Gardaí and you'll have peace of mind because it's a big infringement on a person when they come home to find they've been broken into. And if if it was only for a short phone call to say, I did actually see someone and I, I, I thought of a ring and I didn't. It would be of great benefit because your guardy are seen in the community where this may or may not happen. So it's always a plus to ring the guardy and get the guardy to come out and be seen and check it out. Okay, and then from burglaries to the theft of catalytic converters. Yes, this seems to be a nationwide issue, and it's ongoing for a while. And they tend to categorise certain vehicles, and what it seems to be is cars like. Um, Toyota Aurus and mainly the older make models seemingly it's easier for them to get access and to remove them very quickly from these type of cars so just we had two instances uh, in the last week one in Lumberstone and one in Newmarket where catalytic converters were taken from these type of cars late at night they come into an estate check underneath and within a very short space of time uh, catalytic converters are removed so again, people are out late at night now, we'll say, in the cool of the evening, and you may see someone at 10, 11 o'clock at night who shouldn't be in your state, you would think, or is hanging around and watching or checking cars. Please call your guardy. Because they've got to get in under the car to remove it. I saw a video of, it was picked up on a CCTV of, it was up in Dublin now, of, some, of two guys doing it, and they can get in under the car, catalytic converter taken out in a matter of minutes. It's a very quick um, um, little operation that they have and within a minute I'd say they're, they're in and out. Very, very quick. And just, again, it's in certain vehicles, they're the older type of models that they're going for, in the, especially in the Toyota hours as we see at the moment. That could change again. But you will find vehicles that will be in your area that wouldn't be legit. You may not know that, but there's no harm in ringing the local RD. A lot of the instances that we're talking about here now, there's false plates being used on these cars, like the incident in, in Donneril, where there was an attempted burglary, etc. They're using false plates, but at least if the guards get a description of the car, it's an Audi A4, it's silver in colour, it's a great benefit, um, because obviously the plates may be changing in the following day. But okay. We would just like to get as much assistance from the public uh, in relation to these type of events and it's a great uh, incentive for the community to see the guards out there being active in, in these areas. They may be country areas, they may be in the States, wherever, but it's a, a good 
um, manner of policing for the public to be getting the guarantee to come to these types of incidents. It, they may be totally innocent, but at least it helps community. Okay, well done, well done. And just on road uh, safety and keeping everybody safe on the roads, I mean, people have been out and about and enjoying the fine weather. It's been great. Now that it's looking like there will be some rain uh, towards the weekend. You also have to be careful after a long dry spell when we do get some rain for driving. Yeah. Well, what tends to happen is people may not have checked items like their tyres in their car. They may, may have worn a good bit in the last couple of months. And then when you get the, the wet weather that we have, it takes that bit longer for your car to come to a stop when you press your brakes or if you have to press your brakes sharply, it'll take longer. So check your vehicles and be mindful that there are other road users and they're not all motorists, just pedestrians, cyclists, uh, there's tractor drivers. We've plenty of tractor drivers out there at the moment in the silage and the hay season. So to be mindful of that, and especially in country roads because a tractor has to pull out maybe seven or eight feet out onto the road before the driver can actually view the actual road. So just be mindful, please, of other people. You may think you're the only person on the road, but please be mindful that there are potentially other people on the road as well. Okay, let's try and keep everybody safe. All right, listen, uh, Tony, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin from Mallow Garda Station. And just on the Elton John tickets that I mentioned that we had a couple of calls in uh, from people saying how expensive the Elton John tickets uh, were and uh, Gareth in Carrick Tool in particular was saying 199 for the standing tickets. Well, Gareth is wrong because Fiona was on to say they are premium ticket prices. The general standing tickets were €103.15 Now that sounds more like concert prices and that actually even included the booking uh, fee. Uh, Fiona said Gareth must have picked the wrong option for tickets. Fiona said I was one of the lucky ones managed to get tickets earlier today. Okay, so the general standing tickets for the Elton John €103.15 including the booking fee. Enjoy uh, Fiona. It sounds like you're a bit of an Elton John fan. People are not impressed about the cost of the Elton John tickets, even at the 103 uh, euro, which were the cheaper tickets. The other prices we called out were the premium tickets. Helen in Fairhill said, even at 103 euro, very expensive to, for, to be standing at a concert. I'm not sure where they think people can afford this kind of money. Many people lost their jobs over the last two years. Uh, Charlie says, concert tickets are going up and up in price all of the time. We're just going to have to get used to paying high prices if we want to attend a concert. And someone else says, who's got €100 Euro to burn on a concert? And you're standing for how many hours? We love Elton John, but we'll stick with a CD in our player and a comfy sofa. That would be perfect for us, says a uh, texter. OK, I need to take a break. We have news at... 12 on the way. We'll be giving away a smart speaker in the next hour. We'll be taking your pet questions. Uh, Jane will be taking those and we'll be finding out about Bantry Basketball Club and their latest sponsor. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Okay, um, before I do that, I want to go to a couple of texts that are in. There's a couple of texts come in to do with the digital COVID certificate. Uh, Mary says, hi, Patricia, I had my vaccine done at my GP surgery back in May and I haven't received my vaccination certificate yet. Do I need to ring the digital COVID certificate uh, helpline? 
You do, you do, but I would only be ringing them, Mary, if you are travelling outside of the country, going on a foreign trip within the next 10 days because of the volume of calls at the moment. That's the advice that they're giving out because only 7% of calls, 93% of calls over the last two days were not answered. So I would, I would be telling you to pick up the line and start ringing and you could be on the line for four hours and you still mightn't even get through unless you are, you absolutely need your digital COVID certificate for travel. Now we're waiting on the guidelines to come out from the hospitality uh, sector but I have a feeling what they're going to do there is they're going to allow people to use their vaccination cards but hold off on that. Now if they turn around and say that people have to have their digital vaccination their digital COVID certs in order to do hospitality, then I think they're going to have a major problem on their hand. But 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 at the moment, Mary, that's the advice because certainly if you had your vaccine done in May, and now I don't know if that was, I'm assuming that's your second, you're fully vaccinated since May. Certainly you should have been receiving it by post. Check, uh, I don't know if your postman has come today, may arrive tomorrow. We were told on Tuesday that the revenue were sending out the last of the backlog, the ones that had been done up to when they started issuing the certs, which was almost a million certs. They were saying that those ones are gone. Now they're still issuing certs for people and they was continued to post certs out for people who after you know, since say the month of July started getting their second dose, they'll st- still continue to send to send those. But there was about a million uh, who had already fully vaccinated that they need to send it out. So you should have received it by post. Uh, now, I don't know at your GP practice, did you also give an email address? Because the amount of people that have contacted us to say that they didn't get their, their cert. And when we said, did you check your email? No, nothing in my, e- in my email box. Did you check your spam? Some of them, and I don't know why this is happening, but some of them are being bounced into people's spam accounts instead of into their main email. So check that as well, uh, Mary. But hold off. If you if you don't need it for travel, I would hold off until things calm down a little bit and then you can ring that number and you should be able to get, uh, please God, sorted out then. And then someone else says, Patricia, on the digital COVID certificate that we got in the post, should they be laminated? No, we've been 100% told do not laminate the ones that come in the post. It's because of the QR code. They're fearful that if you laminate it, then when you try to read the QR code, the QR code mightn't mightn't read properly and that's certainly going to be important if for travel where they're going to be it'll be run through a scanner so no don't laminate it now I know other people are saying it's just only a piece of paper and what happens you know the piece of paper could get tatty and all of that tell you what I've done personally I photocopied them so I've got a few copies of all of our digital COVID uh, certificates so that when I go out, because they will, they are, at the end of the day, they are a piece of paper. And if we're, if we are going to be using them to get in and out of indoor dining or going in for a drink or or whatever, they will get a bit uh, tatty. So that's what I've done. I've actually just have have a couple of copies uh, of them. 1850-333-103. And just a final WhatsApp here in from a listener to say, Patricia, at the moment I'm in Clonmel at the railway station. Can you please tell me why the railway station is all closed up? I'm waiting on driving lessons. There's nowhere to sit down and have a cuppa and I can't sit down out. uh, I can't sit down out of the... There's nowhere I can sit out of the shade. It's unbelievable. The seats are very dirty so we can't sit there. Never seen anything like it especially outside of a railway station. Uh, I'll be listening to you speak about this on your repeat programme tonight. The only thing that I can say is that there isn't a lot of trains 
go through Clonmel train station so maybe for that reason they only open when they have the couple of trains uh, every day because I know they should be open Monday to Saturday all day and only closed on Sunday when I checked online at uh, Irinor there and so I'm I, so I've no there isn't I know there isn't a coffee shop or anything like that because it's a small railway station with very very few trains servicing so very few routes service that particular train station so no I can't find any explanation unfortunately and hopefully by now you're in the shade and you're in taking your driving uh, lesson. Okay, time for us now to go to the texts or open up the text service. Let me click that and click that. Okay, we are now looking for your texts and WhatsApps, please, if you would like to win a C103 smart speaker with Dundeal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. As always, we leave it open for about 10 minutes. John Paul will select one of the entries and that person then will join me on air. We'll need to repeat the winning phrase, which is play C103 and if you are the lucky winner today when you receive your smart speaker every morning when you get out of bed that's the first thing you're going to be saying in the morning after saying good morning to a loved one if you have a loved one in the house with you but then say play C103 and the radio will come on on your smart speaker and you can listen to C103 throughout the day among a whole host of other things that you can do with your smart speaker so get texting and whatsapping now please 0862 103103 get texting on that and we will have uh, hopefully have a, a list a winner uh, join us in a couple of minutes uh, 1853 Ellen says Hi Patricia I had my first vaccination in a hospital setting and then I had my second vaccination in a different location I have not received my cert yet I'm wondering could you ask your listeners has anybody else who attended two different locations has anyone in that sort of a setting received their digital cert thanking you says Ellen I, it shouldn't create any problems that's not to say that it, it doesn't and there will always be a few that will fall through the cracks because it all goes through to a central system Ellen so it shouldn't matter where you received your first and second jab as long as you have both the jabs because certainly when I received my digital Covid certificate the only date on it from the, the vaccine point of view is the date of the final one to prove that I have had both jabs and that I am fully vaccinated and obviously that's the important date because depending on and it says the type of vaccine because depending on the vaccine you've got to be a week for Pfizer two weeks for AstraZeneca etc so it shouldn't matter but let's just see has it, does that fit the bill with anybody else where you got one vaccine in one setting and then a second vaccine in a different setting now I do know some of our listeners went to a different vaccine centre for their first jab there were some people for example was, went to Tralee to get their first jab and then they got their second jab closer to home there's certainly people from North Cork then got their second jab in Mallow there was others I know in who went to the city to get a first jab and then got their second jab either in the West Cork vaccination centre or the North Cork vaccination centre so, so you're not on your own in having a jab in two different uh, centres but if anybody can tell us if you have this is for people who've already received their digital COVID cert uh, we're looking for somebody who has got it at two different two different locations uh, number of calls John Paul says makes no difference um, John Paul now is getting calls in from people who got say their first jab in City Hall and then they got their second in Port- Porky Queef and they've, they have received their digital Covid cert so it doesn't make any difference at all okay so I um, 
Ellen, hang in there. Hopefully your cert is either in the post or it will be emailed to, to you. Check your emails and check your uh, spam. And then unless you're travelling in the next 10 days, uh, do you ring the helpline? Is somebody looking for the helpline? one 807 But they're asking people only to ring that number if you are travelling in the next 10 days. And then a West Cork listener was on to us earlier this morning to say, Patricia, I hope this message finds you well. I have had enough of some staff in some organisations, bad customer service and their attitude towards customers. They need to remember without customers, they wouldn't be in a job. Also, the outdoor dining, that needs to be removed once the summer is gone because they've taken away some disabled parking and age-friendly parking spaces. This, to me, I feel is pure discrimination against people with special needs, the elderly and family carers who look after their loved ones. Businesses and some of their staff need to cop on Keep up the good work from West Cork listener who is not happy with. Now, I don't know where the bad customer service is because this person doesn't get into it. I don't know if it's in hospitality, if it's in retail, but it's somebody who feels that customer service has deteriorated because of the pandemic. The, the only thing I, I will say, and I will, I will always try to jump to the defence of People who work, be it in retail or be it in hospitality, they're under, especially since the since the pandemic. And absolutely, there's no need for bad customer service and there's certainly no need for, for rudeness. But they're under the most immense pressure at the moment. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it when indoor dining and indoor hospitality returns next Monday. We're going to have a massive problem with young staff working in a lot of these outlets. Young staff who maybe it's their first job, who are going to be almost training on the job. And I think it's going to be a very tricky and a difficult time, when, particularly when it comes to customer service. People are going to be trying to do the best that they can. And then you're going to have people getting annoyed and frustrated because orders are getting mixed up or food isn't arriving on time or people are waiting excessive periods of time to be uh, served. And we're all just going to have to be a little bit patient. And I spotted during the week a piece in the examiner and it was to do with the operators of Kate Carney's Cottage. You know the wonderful Kate Carney's Cottage at the Gap of Dunlow. Anyone's been to the Gap of Dunlow in County Kerry, I take it, will have had a maybe a pint or a cup of coffee. I had a lovely lunch there a couple of years ago. We had some visitors home from England and we took them to see Kate Carney's Cottage at the Gap of Dunlow and spent a lovely afternoon uh, there. But They've had to go public, the current proprietor, because they're struggling to find staff. And because they're struggling to find staff, it's putting everybody at Kate Carney's under immense pressure. The gentleman's name is Sean Coffey. And he said he felt he had to go public and highlight how business has been affected due to the COVID-19 restrictions. And this was after he received a complaint about the use of tinfoil trays instead of plates. So he went on to social media to say we are understaffed by at least 50% in all departments. The reason, he says, we're using tinfoil trays is because we're operating as a takeaway. Our prices, he said, reflect that. All dishes are priced about 30% below restaurant service price. 
what we would we like to operate as a restaurant again? He says, raises the question. He said, of course we would. But he said, we have nobody who will come in to do the washing up. We have an extremely limited culinary team. And even as a takeaway, we can only operate five days a week. Now, what really got to me when I saw, and as I say, he put this up on social media, he was actually speaking from his hospital bed. He is a 41-year-old man who's recovering from a heart attack. Now, I don't know if that's anything to do with the stresses and strains of what the poor man has had to put up with. But he said in the post, we're in a different world out there. We're over 10 kilometres from the nearest urban centre, which obviously for Kilkenny's Cottage would be uh, Killarney. He said, we have not, nor will we be able to get the staff numbers required to operate indoor dining this uh, summer. And he put up this a, a plea to people to please have patience with these staff. And he did it without the team knowing. He did it from his hospital bed where he's recovering from uh, a heart attack. And he said, I've personally worked over 300 hours in the last month. He said, we're operating here for the last 170 two years. It's our second global pandemic that Kay Carney's Cottage has survived and he said it's never been more challenging. He said please, please, please be patient with my young staff. They're doing their best and when he took to social media he got hundreds of messages of support and I thought that was really heartbreaking that this poor man who has, and I'm assuming having worked 300 hours in the last month and he suddenly finds himself at 41 recovering from a heart attack. I think the, you kind of know why he's ended of taking a heart attack but putting out the plea for the young staff for people just to be uh, uh, kind and obviously they're doing outdoor dining but somebody made a very strong complaint about the fact that it came in the tin foil the foil container but it's operating as a takeaway of course if you were taking it home you'd be getting it in that kind of a container you know the way you get it from some of the your Chinese or your Indian restaurants or whatever and they come in those uh, containers but obviously that's what they've been using for outdoor dining but if they don't have washing up staff they don't have washing up staff and actually it, then when I when I saw that from that man Sean Coffey it got me thinking when outdoor dining started we had a complaint in from a listener who was talking about a premises in North Cork and they were complaining about the fact that it was takeaway containers were being used for the outdoor dining and that the desserts had come in like coffee you know um, reused or disposable coffee cups and the person was given out saying it should have been in a nice bowl uh, and whatever. And it never dawned on me, could it be that the business literally is finding it hard to get staff because we know when outdoor dining started, so many companies were coming forward saying that they were having a problem getting uh, staff and those that were getting staff were getting young staff who were inexperienced and were almost being trained on the job. And I know that first week back in June, I had a week's holiday and it happened to just tie in with the reopening of hotels and that. And I got away for a couple of nights and it was the one thing that stood out for me. And I remember I spoke about it when I came back on the Monday and said to people, you're going to have to be very patient when you do start to use hotels. And hopefully it's improved uh, since. But you could clearly see very inexperienced uh, staff. There was one hotel I stayed in up the country and it was a five star hotel. And 
while we were sitting down having breakfast, there was people being trained in how to serve at the table, how to dress the table. And it, it just it struck me. This is a five star hotel. It's not something you expect to see at a five star hotel while guests are there. But that's exactly what they were, were what they were doing. I understood it. I understood that these were very young staff and they needed to gain the experience. And that's why we all need to be just a little bit patient and that all of the staff working in these establishments are doing their very, very uh, best. And we all just need to be kind, (laughs) you know, in a world where we can choose to be anything. Can we just all choose kindness? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. We are looking for your pet questions as well, please, because uh, Jane will be joining us in a couple of minutes to answer any pet questions you may have today. Or you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative, the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. The Wallace family are holding a fundraising garden event for the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day fundraiser. It's at their home, five Spittle Cottages in Cloyne, and it's happening tomorrow from 9.30am to 5.30pm. Donations for raffle will be accepted today. You can call 021 465 2050. Kildare Drive in Bingo, that goes ahead tomorrow night. Creamer Yard at 8. And if you're in Castletown Bear, the Development Association there are holding their drive-in bingo 8 o'clock and it's at the east end of the pier. They've got a jackpot in Castletown Bear for the drive-in bingo of €1,700. And Ballinhasic Community Development Association are holding a clothing collection in the Marion Hall. It's every Monday and Thursday evening from 7pm to 8.30pm and it kicks off on Monday the 2nd of August and it will run through until Thursday the 19th of August. Items of used clothing, paired shoes, bags, towels, sheets, curtains, duvet covers, all welcome. And the collection is to raise funds for the refurbishment of the Marion Hall car park. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You can stop texting us on our smart speaker. We'll be taking the listener to air in a couple of minutes. So if you have already text, stay by your phone. You might be getting a call, but I want to leave the text message in the WhatsApps free if you have a pet question for Jane 0862-103-103. Now, Bantry Basketball Club got a serious net gain, pardon the pun, when supermodel and actress Emily Ratajkowski helped them out of a fundraising crisis. To find out more, Pat Kern, who is the coach and co-chair of Bantry Basketball Club, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Pat. Good afternoon. Thanks yeah. for making contact with me. Well, this is one of these lovely good news stories and God knows we could do with as many good news stories as uh, we can. Now, firstly, your fundraising crisis, I'm assuming the same with every other charity and every other sporting organisation, impossible to fundraise during a pandemic. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, there's no quizzes, there's no, you know, connections outside supermarkets or stuff like that. And it's very difficult to knock on doors of businesses that have been closed and this week our usual time of the year for, for doing that. So it wouldn't be fair for us to be knocking on doors that have been closed for maybe 18 months at this stage. So we kind of had to think outside the box. 
So it was you, I believe, was the one responsible for really thinking outside the box. Tell me how this how this sponsorship came about. Yeah, well, I, I'm friendly with um, Emily's dad, John, and her mom, uh, Cathy, and I was speaking to John the other night, and uh, I was just we were just talking about basketball, and uh, came up about sponsorship for the new season, and I was explaining just what I said to you, and I just said it to him, would Emily have any interest in having her clothing brand, you know, sponsor one of our teams? So he texted her, and she got back to him within five minutes, and said, I would love to do that. So, and it was a, it was as quick and as simple as that? Quick and as simple as that, yeah. God, she's some, she's some woman. And her dad, John, has a connection to the basketball club. Yeah, he would have played in the, in the 90s with, with the club, uh, early 90s, I believe, 80s. Uh, he'd be well known in the area. Like, um, you know, they'd have a lot of friends that would be connected to the basketball club. Emily herself, I think, would have spent a lot of time here when she was a kid, and she would have her own circle of friends, her own age, you know. So uh, they'd be well-known people. They'd be well, you know. They'd know Bantry very well. And they have a, is it a holiday home they have in the area? Well, they have a house. Yeah, they have a house, house. to share with another couple from San Diego uh, okay. who also threw in a few bob. Um, <laughs> Robert Vermeer of the, of the Tivoli Bar in San Diego. He just that we cannot put uh, bars on underage kids. Of course. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Like in the menu, but like it came about yesterday. The whole floor it came about because we were tweeting thanks to all our sponsors. Um, and someone just this one up, so we we did mention all our sponsors too. And I just list them off very quickly there in ten seconds. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Bantry Credit Union, the Anchor Bar, Crimin Coaches, Bantry Bath and Tile, the Boston Bar, Ryan Drummond Upholstery, Manning's Emporium. MCM construction, and we also get a job and accommodation for a foreign player every year from the brick oven. Well done, well done, and they're all local. They're all local businesses uh, who are have been always fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's uh, great, and it's it's more you know it's it's not just about the money. It's about you know everybody knows Emily Ratajkowski, the model and actress, but um, you know there's much more to her than that. She she's used her platform over and over again to be an advocate for. You know, for and speak up for people who are marginalised, such as immigrants. Um, you know, she she's particularly vocal on women's rights, reproductive rights, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights, which is very inspirational for young people and a great example of both an equal and accepting society. So we're we're delighted and you know we're thrilled to have her as you know connected to our club. She's very you know she's got a great sense of social justice. Yeah, she's not afraid to use her celebrity platform. You know, to speak out about injustices. So it's it's not just that. You know, she's inspirational to the young people of Bantry, and you know they all love her. And it's it's great that they have this person to look up to. She's not just a, a model and actress; she's much more. Yeah, and she's got a great love of the area as well. Does yeah, which is, which is okay. Our our line is uh, unfortunately oh, sorry, is letting us down in Bantry, but don't worry about it. It's we're we're, we're well used to it, and good, good people at West Cork are well used to having bad phone connections. As I'm well. actually in Kerry, so oh. that could be we can blame them. <laughs> I'm standing on Balance Skellig's Beach at the moment. Is it, are, you, are you on the Holly Bobs? I am. I am indeed. Oh, yeah. uh, weather beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Have you yeah. been off all week? Uh, 
um, I have been off. I'm a teacher, so I've been off for more oh, than a week. Just so I've been off. <laughs> well, you've got the best week, uh, certainly, to be Absolutely. away, for sure. Yeah. All right, listen, once again, uh, well done, um, and continue good luck to everybody involved with the Bantry Basketball uh, Club. But as I say, it's a lovely good news story. And Thank um, you very much, and thanks for making contact. No and, and again, thanks to all our sponsors, not just Emily. Yeah. You know, it's okay. great for, to, that you allowed us to mention them all. Thank you very and much. And here's to a great season for the basketball team. Thank you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, Pat Curran, who is co-chair and coach of Bantry Basketball Club. 1850-333-103. We are looking for your pet questions, please, for Jane, our resident vet. She's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes if you have a pet question, something wrong with uh, some of the animals. And I can see some questions in about animals overheating and animals not coping too well with the warm weather. And obviously I'll I'll kick off uh, by asking uh, Jane to give advice about how to help out the pets. I saw the pets in, I saw the animals in Dublin Zoo. They had big blocks of ice uh, going into them and giving them sand baths. I think it was the elephants were taking uh, sand baths. Okay, I need to give away a C103 smart speaker with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. And again, huge reaction again today. Where am I going? I'm going to Butterfant to Roy Whitehouse. Uh, Good afternoon, Roy. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm not too bad. How is everybody in Butterfield today? Beautiful, beautiful weather. <laughs> are you working? Are you off? Are you on holidays? Uh, you? I'm not I'm not working at the moment, no, of the COVID, but hopefully back on Monday. Oh, hospitality? Hospitality, yeah. Oh, do you want to say where? Um, out in Breen, in um, a bar out in Breen. Oh, very good. So are you excited about going back? Yeah, looking forward to it. Now it's been a long 18 months, like. And it, it's a wet pub, obviously. It's been closed for the duration, has it? It has, yeah. It's a wet pub, yeah. Oh, it's been tough going. It really is uh, tough going. Well, it is indeed. Well, good luck with that. So uh, a great way to set you off is to give you a brand new smart speaker. What is our winning phrase? Play C103. That's it. Well done. You know what to do when you get your smart speaker. Shout play C103 to it and off you go. Listen, uh, Listen, Roy, congratulations and good luck going back to work next Monday. Thanks very much. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Roy Whitehouse in Botswana, our latest winner of a smart speaker. Does Nick have another smart speaker to give away this afternoon? Indeed he does. And Mark in for Martina at uh, four o'clock. And we'll do it all over again uh, tomorrow. We've been having great fun giving away these smart speakers. And as I say, absolutely massive, massive reaction uh, every day. So stay listening. And remember... You have to say the winning phrase, which is play C103. OK, just a couple of texts in. Patricia, what about healthcare workers vaccinated in Mallow in January and February? Any certs issued? Whoa, are you saying all of the healthcare workers are waiting since January and February? I would have thought they would have been. Well, I, I would have said I would have thought that they would have been one of the first to have got their uh, certs. But we were told by uh, by the HSE and Revenue who were issuing the, the postal ones and ones that came by email, they were randomly generated. So it didn't matter when you got your cert, that didn't, the date of you getting your vaccine didn't tie in with how quickly you would get your cert. But I am surprised, I would be very surprised to hear if every single healthcare worker hasn't received a cert, those who were vaccinated in January and in February. Again, if you are need to travel in the next 10 days, then get on to the Digital COVID Certificate Help uh, line. And here's a good piece of advice from somebody, for people, you know, people who are worried about the fact that the Digital COVID Certificate is 
basically it's a piece of paper it's an A4 sheet of uh, paper somebody says buy an envelope size plastic button pocket you know those plastic folders uh, ideal for protecting your COVID search they'll be safe and clean for many a long day and as someone says hopefully we won't need them for very long I mean that is the other thing we hopefully won't need them uh, for very long I mean I'm assuming this time next year that they'll be possibly not a void we we certainly won't be using them uh, next year but in the meantime well we need to use them but uh, keep keep them safe in an envelope sized plastic button those little folders that you can uh, get or my one is just to photocopy them. I have a couple of copies of them in case the one that you have gets a bit tattered. Okay, I'm going to take a break and head to... Oh, Jane Pickett. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Invest, join us after these. Court Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We're off to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And as expected, a number of calls in from listeners worried about their pets in the warm weather. General advice during a heat wave for dogs and cats. 
Oh, so we've been seeing a lot of problems with this over the last few days. Um, I think most people are really trying their very, very best to be sensible and keep their dogs cool. But look, accidents do happen. Um, general advice, I'd say, is just try and keep them in out of the sun as much as you can. Really give them plenty of opportunities like ourselves to have a shady spot to lie in. Um, I would be really particularly careful with excitable dogs that enjoy playing with the family because a lot of the time they won't realise that they're really hot before it's too late because they'll want to go out and play with the family in the garden. Whereas, let's say, an older, more sedate dog might have the good sense, like my own older dog, to go and lie somewhere cooler um, because they're, they're less kind of distracted by chasing bulls and things like that. But it is really important to keep a, a good eye on puppies and also older dogs because they are a little bit more fragile, they're, I suppose they don't have uh, the robustness of a healthy adult dog. Cats are usually pretty clever at popping themselves somewhere shady um, after they've had a little sunbathe. They're usually very good at keeping, keeping track of how hot they are. However, let's say dark-coated breeds that are a bit sunbathy, just make sure that they have, have plenty of time in the shade if you do notice that they really are kind of overdoing the, the sunning. Um, be really careful when you walk them during the day as well. So you really need to walk them early in the morning and late in the evening. I don't want to see any dogs out in the middle of the day or going for a walk between 12 and 3 is the absolute worst where the sun is high in the sky. But even in the last few days, much earlier than that in the morning, it's too hot and quite late into the evening, it's too hot to be walking a dog. Um, I think a really important thing as well is to be careful where you're wa walking. If you can walk somewhere where there's a lot of shade, like a wooded area, that's really helpful. Um, and as well as that, you need to make sure that the ground itself is not too hot for your dog to be in contact with. So the best thing to do is if you're going to take your dog walking in an area that might have pavement or stones is to put the, the back of your hand or the palm of your hand in contact with that area. Um, for about 30 seconds. If it's a comfortable temperature for you to hold your hand there for a full 30 seconds, it's probably safe for your dog's paws to walk on. But if it's not, then it's way too hot for your dog's paws. And a lot of the time we, we are seeing problems with burns on the paws, but Ouch. also other things melting. Yeah, so we, we, we've seen some cases of tar melting onto paws, which is extremely dangerous because it's quite corrosive um, from the hot weather in the roads. So it's important to be really, really careful with that. Try and just keep them cool. I think really good ways to cool them down are things like paddling pools. If you're supervised, it's a really fun thing for them. Um, as well as that, you can freeze things, let's say freeze little ice cubes or freeze stuffed um, treats in the freezer and give them to that as like a little cooling thing. It's the equivalent of us having an ice cream because I wouldn't recommend them having an ice cream. It'll give them a, a bit of an upset tummy. But they're kind of a few handy tips and tricks to, to keep them cool. But it's best to prevent them getting too hot. Yeah, because Barry has a 10-year-old uh, Labrador or his problem is that the dog seems to be struggling at night with the heat. He stays in the shed. He said, I could leave the shed door open, but I'd be afraid that the dog would get uh, stolen. He's good about hiding okay. in the shade during the day, but he's struggling at night. Because obviously when the shed door is closed, sheds can get unbelievably warm. Mm -hmm. They really, really can. I think um, try and make the shed as cold as you can to begin with. So if there's any blinds or curtains that you could close during the day in the shed to avoid the sunlight kind of trickling in and heating, heating the ambient air temperature up, that's a good start. I totally understand your concern about not wanting to leave the shed open because, you know, for security reasons for the dog being stolen. So you really need to try and drop the temperature in there. If you have, a, let's say, a fan that will be safe to be left on overnight, um, but not pointing directly at your dog, just kind of ambiently circulating the, the air, um, that may help a little bit. But also other things you could do is maybe just give them somewhere cool to lie down. 
So one thing you can do is there's cooling mats that you can buy from various places, various pet shops, and they're quite handy. And you could maybe give them that for overnight to lie on if that might help a little bit. But as kind of a temporary measure, one thing you can do is you can um, put a damp kind of incontinence pad or a damp old towel into the freezer. If you have kind of a big freezer, you could lay it out in and have it so that it's just quite cold. And then before they, they pop in in the evening, you could put that down. Um, in an area separate to their bed so they have the option to lie on it or not but the important thing is if you have your little frozen towel to cover it with a normal towel as well because you don't want the let's say the frozen water coming directly into contact with the skin because you can kind of get a freezer burn and make sure there's water lots of water okay Mary question for Jane please we recently got a collie dog but six seven months old could Jane advise on vaccinations what vaccinations does he need will he have to get a booster shot he hasn't been vaccinated yet okay this little guy needs to make a trip to the vet very swiftly um, he needs to get his vaccination sorted at that age um, so normally puppies um, can be vaccinated from six weeks of age and normally puppies will need two vaccinations between two to four weeks apart depending on the brand your vet will be able to advise you the interval but they need two vaccinations a number of weeks apart to kind of prime the immune system and the second shot is to kind of let the immune system know look this is what I've trained you to recognize make sure you remember it so it's really important to have that second shot to prime the immunity and thereafter after them normally require an annual vaccination every year to keep the immunity topped up. Now, the most important vaccination to go in with is the core vaccination. So that protects them from serious fatal infectious diseases like distemper, parvovirus, which is a fatal gut disease most of the time, and other things like leptospirosis, which around in my area, there's lepto everywhere. So sadly, we see a number of cases every year, despite the fact that it's totally preventable. Um, so make sure you get that vaccination done. But the other one not to be underestimated is the canine cough vaccine. Now, classically, this used to be called the kennel cough vaccine, but that's a bit of a, a misnomer, really. They do need the kennel cough, canine cough vaccination, even if they're not going to kennels, because it's the equivalent of the flu vaccination for ourselves. And if you're going to be in contact with lots of people and your dog is going to be in contact with lots of other dogs, then they're high risk for getting canine cough. So um, it's a bacterial infection that can really turn quite nasty and turn into a pneumonia. But the important thing is, even if they're not going into kennels, even if they're not meeting 100 dogs a day, if they're walking in an area, like if they walk to the woods, and if there's probably going to be another dog there within 30 minutes or half an hour, if, if a dog coughs or sneezes on a leaf and then your own dog goes over to sniff it, and that dog happens to have kennel cough, your dog could get it indirectly from the environment. So it's really important to think that even though your dog might not be an absolute social butterfly, it's probably still at risk. I might get, let's say, one out of 20 dogs that I wouldn't consider at risk from kennel cough. So the vast majority of dogs would benefit from having a canine cough vaccine. And that can be done at any point and it lasts for a year. So that, that will be really important to consider as well. OK, and Catherine has a nine-year-old Jack Russell uh, fed the best of nuts there are. He's on a low-fat nut at the moment, uh, which the dog seems to like. But prob- the dog's problem with these anal glands that they keep refilling. Is there anything that Catherine can be doing to try to ease the pain for them? So reoccurring anal yeah. glands and you have about 60 seconds. 
This is a really tough one. Um, there's a number of things that can cause anal glands. Sometimes they can just be prone to it. Sometimes it can be to do with diet if there's not enough fiber in the diet. So I would discuss it with your vet first and get the anal glands checked to make sure they're not infected. But discuss with your vet whether they think a high fiber diet might be beneficial to stop the glands filling as frequently. And if they're really painful, contact your vet to be seen and to get some pain relief because they can be super, super sore. Because some dogs are more prone to it than others. Absolutely. Some can just get an infection and it's a one-off one off occurrence and other dogs can be absolutely plagued with it. Okay. But it's really just getting on top of it to manage. All right, listen, have a lovely week and we'll chat again next Thursday. You too. Thanks Thank you. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary uh, Group. A lot of people on saying about getting their digital COVID certificate. Sue says, I got my first jab in Porky Cueve, second one in City Hall. On the 17th of July, I had my digital cert three days uh, later, which is really, really quick. Hi, Trish. I got my first jab in Mallow. Got my second one at the race course in in Limerick, two different settings and I received my search last week by email. Hi, I got my first vaccine in Porky Cueve. I got my second one last Saturday and I got my digital search on Tuesday. So for some, it has been extremely efficient, but uh, for others, uh, others seem to be waiting and there's no explanation as to why that is happening, unfortunately. OK, that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for the final one of the week uh, tomorrow Friday at 10 until then I'm Patricia Messenger very good afternoon look after yourself keep in the shade keep yourself cool and stay safe Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.